0: This is Mark Halleck, and welcome to the Leading Church Revitalization podcast. This podcast is designed to encourage and equip you for the work of leading church revitalization in your context. I really hope and pray you will be helped and you'll be encouraged, and you might even be a little bit inspired in our time together. Because here's the truth, there's a lot of churches people have given up on that God is just not done with. So thanks for coming by, and let's link arms together to replant and revitalize churches for the glory of God and for our joy in Him. My buddy Joe will tell you there were many times he wanted to quit. For 10 years, he was slugging it out in a small rural town doing the demanding, self-sacrificing, urgent work of church revitalization, enduring criticism, and praying a ton. But it wasn't until year 12 that things actually began to change. It wasn't until year 12 that God began to bless the late nights and the long years, and the Lord began to move in a unique way. Think about that, 12 years. I love how pastor and author Mark Dever describes pastoral ministry. In one quick sentence, I think he nails it. He says, preach and pray, love and stay. Let me say that again. Preach and pray, love and stay. This paints a simple picture of the power of pastoral ministry, and I think he's right on. We can easily overcomplicate what God has made profoundly simple. And yet the reality of pastoral ministry is that tenures are often short in local congregations. And why is that exactly? Why don't pastors tend to stay very long? Well, the truth is it can be a struggle to stay for many different reasons. For example... The lure of bigger and better opportunities while a pastor is wrestling with ministry frustrations can give a pastor the misconception that his church is a better stepping stone than it is a cornerstone. So the question I want to ask is this, is a long haul ministry mindset all that important? Specifically, in church revitalization, is a lasting commitment to leading and shepherding a particular congregation needed to see healthy, sustainable renewal become a reality for that church. And if so, why is that? What are some of the reasons this is so important? The reality is this, when we look at churches that are healthy, vibrant, and growing, It is incredibly common to see a pastor who has been serving that same congregation for many years through both the good times and the bad. This is especially true in a revitalization context where it takes perseverance, like real perseverance, to lead a dying or declining church back to health. It takes time to see the healthy fruit of a revitalized church. My friend Pastor Scott Cateau offers up 10 reasons why long-haul ministry is so important and so effective. And man, these are so good. According to Cateau, long tenures are vital to the discipleship, health, and future ministry of a church. I believe history shows that he's exactly right. In fact, let's just consider 10 points that Cateau brings out and reflect on the profound importance of longevity in ministry. Here's number one, tenure leads to trust. There are many people in declining churches who don't believe their pastor will be around for more than a year or two. And in fact, the longest average pastoral stay in North America is now only two to three years. Congregations have experienced the revolving door of coming and going pastors all too often and cannot foresee that their next pastor will be any different than all the others. I mean, why even bother building trust? Trust takes time. Walking with a couple from their wedding day to the birth of a child and through all of the tragedies and celebrations along the way, these things build relational credit with people. There is no substitute for this investment. If you are committed to your church for the long haul, relationships will grow Without sustained commitment, it's nearly impossible to reverse the decline of a struggling church body. In revitalization ministry, patience is paramount. Here's number two. Longevity is better for your family. Staying for the long haul is important for our wife and children's health and growth. This kind of stability allows a pastor's family to experience a true sense of community and familiarity that can serve as an anchor through the challenges that come with life and ministry. I think of my friend Alex. Alex grew up in a home where his father was a pastor, and he will tell you that the hardest part for him about being a pastor's kid was moving from town to town and church to church over the course of his childhood and teenage years. Alex's father served five different congregations during his 18 years living at home, four of which were located in completely different cities. Alex told me this, He said, moving so much made it really tough to find good friends that I could count on and turn to. Plus, switching from school to school and having to adapt to so many different teachers and school systems was really hard, especially on my younger siblings. But the toughest thing about moving so much was that I never really experienced what it was like to have a church family. As soon as I would begin to feel comfortable building relationships with members of a congregation, both young and old, we would move on to another church in another city. To this day, I don't think I've ever experienced what it feels like to have a church home. Well, Alex's experience is not unique. The truth is a pastor's family can really struggle if they don't have a solid, predictable place to grow up in or a community to stay connected to. There's a stability, a familiarity, and consistency in remaining committed to a particular congregation that is healthy and helpful. This is one way that we can serve, love, and lead our families well in ministry. Number three, the pastor learns the people. As Cato rightly points out, when you go to a new church— There's always a honeymoon period where for several months, you really can't do much of anything wrong. I mean, everybody's excited that you're there. They love you. They love your family. But here's the truth. The honeymoon always ends. It may be a couple of months or a couple of years, but this is when things get hard. We will realize that not everyone is as on board as we thought. This is when many pastors make the jump to a different church where they can go live in the blissful beginning period again the honeymoon period when it gets hard just make another jump well listen while the honeymoon is great no doubt it is always an illusion it's when the honeymoon is over that you get a picture of who the church really is if we're going to be faithful pastors who know love and understand our congregations well we will have to persevere beyond the early days of our ministries You may not like all that you see, but staying committed when it gets ugly will speak volumes about your love. You can't pastor your people well unless you learn them well. Don't rob yourself of experiencing that, and don't rob them of having a pastor who will stick with them beyond the honeymoon phase. Here's number four. The church earns the trust of the community. When a pastor has been a steady leader in a church for years and years, the community notices Conversely, if a church has unstable leadership, it will not have a great reputation in the community. That lack of relationship with those in the surrounding neighborhoods will create stagnancy within our congregations. In a church where membership has been on the decline, bridge building in the community is a critical part of new growth and restored vitality. If we want to earn the trust of our communities, we need to be committed as pastors to modeling what it means to be faithful for the long haul. Number five, commitment to the long-term changes how you lead. Man, this one is so true. Cato writes this. He says, Pastor, do you lead as though you will be there until you are with him, the Lord? Doing so radically changes your view of current challenges, difficult members, the enormity of the problems you are facing, and the time frame to provide solutions. Additionally, it helps you choose your battles wisely. If we are looking to the future, then our ministries will become a marathon and not a sprint. This way of thinking will affect how we lead. We will realize that not every hill is a hill to die on. In fact, very few hills are hills worth dying on. We can be patient. We don't have to rush change. And if this is our trajectory, we will find ourselves burning bridges with people because we haven't earned their trust. Rather, if we can trust in the sovereignty of God and make slight changes as they are appropriate, we will earn the trust necessary to make the bigger changes that come in time. As we preach and pray and love and care for people, and as we stay month after month, year after year, then will our churches experience real, lasting change. Number six, long-term commitment is the only antidote to the stepping stone syndrome. Many pastors have bought the lie that success in ministry means pastoring at an exceptionally large church, and sadly, it's not unusual for pastors to skip from small churches to bigger churches looking for a better position. Listen, I don't have anything against large churches. I've served in large churches that I loved, and I praise God for large churches, but the normative-sized church has around 75 to 150 people in attendance, somewhere in there, And the truth is, most pastors will serve in such a place. The narrative that we need a megachurch with a huge budget and a big building needs to give way to reestablishing the calling of the pastor. This is the sacred calling to shepherd God's people, to preach the word, to find boundless joy in our work, and to understand the weight of caring for souls. A small, declining church is not a stepping stone to a more lucrative opportunity with a bigger platform the greater opportunity is staying right there for the long haul and helping to bring about vibrancy and healthy growth. Number seven, teaching ministry requires longevity. Teaching the whole counsel of God through expository preaching takes time. It takes time to disciple your people, to help them learn how to study the Bible on their own and to correctly apply the text to their lives. This kind of vision for preaching and for discipleship and teaching ministry requires a significant amount of effort and persistence in order to bring about the fruit of growth. Our sanctification is a long-haul process. In the same way, our teaching ministries must be marked by a commitment to helping people grow by sticking around. And don't buy the lie that small or rural churches needing a big dose of pastoral care don't also need solid biblical teaching. Rooting people in God's word is just as important whether you serve in a young urban church or an elderly congregation 50 miles from the nearest target. Number eight, longevity gives you the opportunity to celebrate victories that you have waited on. I always feel bad for folks who leave a baseball game in the seventh inning only to miss the most exciting part of the game. Maybe you've been there. I know I've been there. By definition, church revitalization is happening in the context of a congregation that has been around for a long time. So the turnaround that you're waiting for is likely going to come slowly as well. It may take many years of preparation and conversations and love before new families start to come or see your first baptism. We rob ourselves and our churches of the joy of experiencing those victories and celebrations of what God has done when we leave too soon. It's in taking time, being faithful, and trusting God for the long haul that we get to celebrate some of the greatest victories in the local church. Number nine, rural culture values longevity. Many churches in rural communities are in need of revitalization, and maybe this is where you find yourself. If you are leading a rural church with urban expectations, it can have detrimental consequences and negative implications for the church. Change and progress look different in the rural church where health and survival may be the pressing concern. As the saying goes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. In a culture where change is slow and commitment is a virtue, a pastor should plan on putting down roots to patiently shepherd a flock. Only then will trust be built and growth experienced in the life of the congregation. A great example of a faithful rural pastor who was instrumental in my own coming to Christ is Jim Brown. Jim shepherded the same congregation for many years in a tiny Wyoming town you've never heard of. He knew the people, he loved them, he married them and buried them, all the while preaching the word of God week in and week out faithfully. I got saved under his teaching at a church camp, although at the time he probably didn't anticipate the impact his service there would have. Jim demonstrates the powerful, beautiful power of just faithfully showing up, loving people, being consistent, being steady. It's a value that I might add is important whether you serve in a rural context or in a large city. Number 10, it paints a picture of the faithfulness of Christ. This is the exclamation mark on all of these points. When we bounce from place to place in pastoral ministry, what does that communicate about the faithfulness of Christ? The gospel is such good news because a gracious God came to save sinners like us to redeem us through the blood of his son, Jesus. When we are in Christ, as we have repented of sin and have trusted in him as Savior and Lord, we are assured of our salvation, which means we are assured of his commitment He's faithful to us, even when we are faithless. This is the good news of the love of God. Listen, friends, as we stay with our local church, loving, encouraging, and praying for them, week after week, month after month, year after year, we model Christ's faithfulness to the congregation and to our families. Well, these are just 10 reasons why I believe that long-haul ministry is so important and I pray they're helpful for you to at least be thinking about and praying about as you reflect on your own ministries. In our next podcast, we're going to be talking about how do we exactly cultivate a heart for long-haul ministry? I mean, how do we actually do this thing, right? It's one thing to to list the, the reasons why it's so important, and that's true, and that's that's what we did today. But how do we actually become the types of pastors and leaders who are faithful over the long haul. And that's what we're going to talk about. I hope you join us for our next podcast. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast today. Hey, as you continue to grow, I want to point you in the direction of a book called Leading Church Revitalization. This entire podcast is really built on and based on that book. You can pick it up at Amazon.com today. Also, check out comapress.org. Acoma Press is committed to putting out resources to help encourage and equip you as a revitalizer or a replanter. It's also very committed to help equip congregations that are struggling and facing serious decline. I'd love to stay in touch with you. So let's connect on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Any way I can serve you, I would love to do that. Man, I can't wait till we're together next time. Thanks so much for stopping by. God bless you all.